Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 114. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We've got a very exciting episode for you today as we're joined by the incredibly talented Irish singer-songwriter Imelda May, who released her sixth studio album this past Friday, April 16th. It's called 11 Past the Hour. And in just a couple days, I've already enjoyed it so much. And I love how every song is so unique. Even the album in general is a is almost a different genre from her last album, uh, Life, Love, Flesh, Blood from 2017. And, and of course, those are very different from her early records, which were rockabilly records. She's just got this incredible range of talent that's so impressive. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation because Imelda, for one, not only is incredibly talented, but she is just an absolute pleasure to speak with and, and a lovely, lovely person. And, of course, there was that little bit of the Irish connection. We did this. This was a virtual episode. It was done over Zoom. And so right away, the first thing Imelda pointed out was the U2 Joshua tree that is painted in my kitchen. And, of course, we got to talking about and I became very envious (laughs) of her close connection with Bono of U2. Imagine having... Bono be your go-to for, you know, advice or musical inspiration. But really, it's just a testament to how incredible an artist and person Imelda is. Not only is there that connection, but she's had so many unbelievable artists work on her records with her. On this new record, there's like Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones and Noel Gallagher, obviously of Oasis. Uh, She's toured with Jeff Beck, and, and he's been on her previous albums. And I mean, not even just musicians, I think Imelda has become an incredible female role model. She is an impressive activist herself, but also on her latest single, Made to Love, which I think might be my favorite of her songs to date, in which she features activists, author Gina Martin and Dr. Shola Moschigbamamu, actually singing in the chorus of the song, uh, which I think is incredible. So among many other things, we speak about these incredible relationships that she's made. And I highly recommend you listen to 11 Past the Hour, which then brings me to the Adamantium Recommend segment, which I like to do for people to either compare notes or if they're new to the artist, it gives them a starting point on some songs to look up and have a listen to either before or after the interview. And I usually like to start it off with something new. So as I mentioned before, I think maybe my favorite Imelda May song to date is that new single, Made to Love. Also from 11 Past the Hour, I recommend the song she did with Noel Gallagher that's called Just One Kiss. And then going back to her 2017 album Life, Love, Flesh, Blood, I recommend the song Call Me as well as the song Should Have Been You. And then to give you a taste of Imelda's rockabilly roots, I'm going to pick something off the 2014 album Tribal, and that is the song It's Good to Be Alive. And boy, is it good to be alive. So give those a listen and definitely check out 11 Past the Hour. It'll be a great springtime album to listen to. And man, is there so many great springtime albums this year. There are so many great artists releasing albums this spring. It's uh, 
really something to look forward to and hopefully will lead to some great episodes of the Adamantium podcast. I personally have had the new Greta Van Fleet album kind of on repeat here at home and in the office. They have obviously been a hot topic of debate on this podcast in the past and uh, one of my favorite artists of the last few years. And we will hopefully have those guys on the podcast at some point. But now is now, and we've already got a great episode for you today. And if you are tuning into the podcast for the very first time today, thank you very much. We are glad you're here, and we hope you'll stay. Hit that subscribe button, if you may, and shoot us a follow on social media one day. Oh, geez. Well, we're on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison, or you can find us simply by searching The Adamantium Podcast. All right, so let's get into today's episode with Imelda May. This is episode number 114 of the Adamantium podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you have a fantastic week. Joshua tree behind you it sure is this was uh one of my first lockdown projects <laughs> love it Did yeah you paint this, it? this is my kitchen wall yeah I painted that myself yeah I love that that's so cool yeah and right there's like the first four lines of where the streets have no name yeah. oh I love that yeah so I'm a big big U2 fan obviously so who isn't who is how can you not be right so mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my uh, it's really a, a little kind of side note. I um, my mom called me yesterday, and uh, usually she says it's my responsibility to keep her kind of up to date in music. And uh, I think she's pretty hip, but most of the time she doesn't know like ninety percent of the people I interview. So she called me yesterday and says, what, you know, what are you up to? And I said, well, I'm preparing for an interview with Imelda May. And she says, oh, I love Imelda May. I just saw her on Graham Norton. And <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. What's your mom's name? Her name's Sandra. Sandra, tell her I said hello. I will. I will. And she'll be listening to this one. So. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Hello, Sandra. <laughs> my, mom's, my mom's Irish, too. So. Oh, is she? Yeah. Well, both my parents are Irish. From, Where are they from? My dad's from Belfast, and uh, my mom's from a town called Bangor. Bangor's just outside of it, not far. Yeah, about like, half an hour outside. Yeah, Belfast people are the coolest. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> cool as dubs. That's it. I, 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 Dublin is really cool. I actually only went for the first time a few years back, and I loved it. I had such yeah. a good time there. The good vibe. It is a really good vibe. Really good vibe. Well, congratulations for one on the upcoming album that's coming out. I think when people hear this, it'll be out. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I'm dying for it to get out because it's been a while. It's all been delayed because of COVID. And so I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Yeah. Are you in, you're in Dublin right now? No, I'm in England. I'm in the countryside in England. Okay. Gotcha. Where I live. For now. Very nice. Very nice. Um, well, I just heard... I just heard the, the latest single, Made to Love, which is such a, I think, such a beautiful, I'm not just saying this too, such a beautiful song and the right vibe for what we really need right now, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, 
I read a really nice, I read a, I read a quote that you had said um, describing this song and it was, I wrote this song from the perspective of love itself as a living thing and how much it has suffered from simply being. Yes. I thought that was, I thought it was, it was something beautiful. And I think the part of the song that, that stood out a lot to me too is, is there's a, a bridge section where there's kind of this unifying list of, of things that uh, are united by, by love. And yeah. uh, so my first question, I've got a number of questions just on this song alone, but my first oh. question was what were, what was kind of on your mind and what were you thinking about, especially when you were compiling this kind of list um, that went along with the song? It was just, uh, it was just pure inspiration. I wrote this, um, I wrote this with Tim Brown and David Arossi. Mm -hmm. um, wrote most of the songs together on that and how that would work um, from a, a practical, technical point of view is that um, on this song I wanted to co-write because I didn't want to, I wanted to, because um, I'm a, a lyricist, so I wanted to be able to just focus on the lyrics without worrying about the arrangements of the mm -hmm. music before. Um, and also when you when when someone else is writing the music, it takes you somewhere else that you wouldn't necessarily go yourself. It takes you out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so I got up to the studio a little while after they were there. And so what I do is I get them to play me little snippets that they just worked on before I got there and see what moved me. And they played me a few bits. And I was listening. And then as soon as they started playing, it was just the intro to this song. It just took off for me in my head, and they'd—it'd be like they'd—they'd uh, they'd say, um, "Oh, here she goes, here she goes," because I, my hand, I just start, just start, it just kicks off, and it just mm -hmm. took—it just took me away. And I suppose we all pick up on so much and what's going on in the planet and what's going on. I think we've certainly over the last year we've been consumed by worldwide news because we're. We're on our phones checking out what's going on more than ever. And I think with that, I just was so kind of upset by, I'd see so many different religious groups basically saying, well, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm right. And I just thought, God, you know, how exhausting is this, you know? And and how, without going too dark on it, 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 it's just, you think, how many people have to be killed for love, you know, that mm. have to die, literally, for preaching about love. Mm -hmm. it's, it's that simple. I made a joke. I was actually getting a lot of hate online for, for a, a couple of comments and then later on I wrote this poem called you don't get to be racist and Irish and I started getting death threats from that and I said to a friend sure what's the worst that can happen all I'm, you know if all you talk about is love what's the worst that can happen then I thought oh hang on <laughs> hang on a second yeah that's actually that antagonizes a lot of people more than anything else mm -hmm. and around that time also I discovered um there are two basic emotions. The scientists have all agreed over many years that there are two basic emotions. The base is love or fear and everything else comes from them. And that kind of blew my mind. 
and it made it helped me understand people and myself a little more mm-hmm. and then I thought, you know what I'd really rather live from the point of love than fear and it's not always the easiest point to it's not all the it's not the easiest option often mm. um and so that's what made me write that song and that's where my head was if you like I can't right other than that and I just was inspired and I got taken away and I've been following Marielle Franco for quite a while before she was killed she fought for um for justice and for you know single mothers to help them out for for um for um gay and bisexual people and and she also fought against police brutality and I was devastated um when I discovered she'd been shot four times by police. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I suppose all of that's in there. And when I write, it all comes out and it flew out of me. And that middle was just, we are love. If, if, I, if, if I love, then I am love. So that's why I wanted to write it from the point of love itself, because we are love. Mm-hmm. It's not. I don't I don't think somebody floats down from the sky. I think it's something that exists within all of us and it's it's accessible to all of us and it's I do think it's worth digging in as far as we can to try and find it. Mhm. And like the song it almost like depicts love as a a person itself, you know. Yes. Yeah. Because it is within you mm. then it is. And I thought what if it what if it is this being? What if it is this beautiful being? Mm-hmm. almost shapeshift that can jump into each of us and watch us from someone else you know yeah. what if it's into somebody who's lying on the street needing help and mm-hmm. sees the who preaches about it walking past yeah you and know the the first time i i heard the song was actually on that graham norton performance as well and the, com- the combination of the song itself and and the performance when I was first listening to it I thought oh, like it really reminded me of a, a Florence Welsh type song um, and I don't know if you're a fan of Florence Welsh yourself um, Not yet. yeah and and when I listened I really got that that kind of vibe and then I read later you had said that you really wanted this to be the type of song that you hear at a gig or a festival and everyone joins arms and and feels yeah. that togetherness and yes. I thought, wow, that's incredible. Like that's so linked to the, I don't, I don't know if you've seen Florence Welsh live, but that's literally what she, she tries to accomplish at every concert. And I thought that's, you know, it's amazing that I got that vibe without hearing. I read that after. And yeah, uh, yeah I just you kind of put that connection together. Right picked up the right things. And hmm. I was quite on that performance because the song, I suppose, means so much to me. And I think I need it. I need the positivity from it. You know, I, I I need that togetherness. I don't know mm-hmm. if you do. And then I had Gina Martin on my right-hand side and Dr. Shola Moshog-Bamimu on my left. And I had Charlotte Hath- Hathaly, who played on most of the album, um, a wonderful guitarist. She used to be an Ash and loads of different... And um, Bass for Lashes. And then Donnie, um, Donnie Little, who played with me. Um, he was with Pal on a Team, you know, and then he was with me. So I had these friends and allies with me and Gina mm-hmm. and all of both are human rights um, fighters and, mm-hmm. um, and winners, you know, they're, they're, they, they um, take on, they take on um, injustices in the world and they take the slack that comes with that. Mm-hmm. 
and the negativity that comes with that. And I think, God, they do that for us on a daily basis. I mean, I put out an album, I put out a poem and I get it, but they consistently get that. And I, and I thought, how do they live day to day with that, with that fight going on all the time? And I really admire people who do mm-hmm. that. And I admire both of them. And when I asked them to sing on the song with me, it was to lend their voices, not just their back and vocals voices, to lend their voices because I just think they're phenomenal people what they do you know yeah that was actually leading leading in you led me into my next question which was you had some very important people work with you on this song so you mentioned Gina Martin and and Dr. Shola who I believe you met at a women's uh international women's day so what what was it about I mean I'm sure you met hundreds of people that day what was it about them two in specific that 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 really inspired you Shola had me on my feet shouting, yes, you know, I couldn't help but but cheer for everything she said. She has such a power and a passion to her. Mm-hmm. And she's so articulate. And the reason I say that is for me, I'm sitting here doing interviews, but I'm, I choose my words carefully when I'm right. Yeah. I look back and I was like, oh God, no, because it, I like to take time to, to really consider what it is I'm writing and, and mm-hmm. construct it. Shola speaks like I wish I could write. Okay. <laughs> you know, she's right. one of those, you, you could quote her and it, it looks like something you've worked on for days. You know, right. she's just, she says everything in the most beautiful way and strong and powerful. And she rallies you in. Yes, and for sure. She is, she's both Sheena and uh, Shola and Gina both have, um, it's common sense, you know, mm. what they're and, and, and Shola. I watch her often on the on the TV. She's on a lot of um, uh, political programs over here, and I wait for her. You know, you see the politicians speaking, and they 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 seem so together. And I can just see Shola on the screen behind, go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they go, Shola, what do you think? And I go, Come on, yeah. And comes, she she kills everyone. You're like, yes, yeah. every time. So she's one of those wonderful wonderful speakers and she's she's wonderful and she I I had a live thing with her around the Black Lives Matter we had this wonderful conversation um and uh I wanted to hear from her but not too much um and I don't mean not too much that she'd speak her voice but I think it got to a point where so many people were turning to their black friends and saying so what should I do she's like read a bloody book and stop asking that mm-hmm. every black you know what how you change it figure that out you know we're tired of telling you yeah and so she wrote this amazing book and so I was keen to to help her advertise that as much as possible so she's and Gina Martin she um so I saw her speak and she she was at a festival and a guy shoved his camera between her legs up her skirt and took a photo and she wrestled with him and got the camera off him, ran to security with him hot on her heels, gave the camera to the security guy, and the security guy gave it back to him, to this, to this guy. And she was like, what? Did yeah. He said, it's um, apparently I've talked to somebody, he's done nothing wrong, it's not against the law. So she decided, I'm going to change the law. And she worked really, really hard and spent a year 
ton of money getting solicitors. She was in Westminster pleading her case. She hadn't studied how to do that, but she learned on the job and she actually changed the law and made it legal. So people do that now. They get arrested. Which is one of those things you think is is crazy that it it even needs a law. (laughs) Like Yes. It's ridiculous. But I loved that she just thought, I'm gonna change the law and she did. Yeah. So uh, so that's why I have both of those women on. I think they're magnificent. So what was what was their reaction when you said to them, I want you to sing on a song for me? Like, ha- did they have any experience or were they reluctant? No, not at all. We had the <sighs> best day. They came in and we jumped around and we danced and both of them have great voices. Um, so I was very, very lucky. I was delighted. I was going to so say, like, did <laughs> you know that beforehand? <laughs> <laughs> And so we had a really, really good time. It was such a, I can't tell you how magical that day was. Oh, I imagine. I meant, did you know beforehand that they had decent singing voices or was it a, G- a gamble? <laughs> I knew, I knew Gina did. I'd heard her online and she's an absolutely brilliant voice. Um, Shola, her whole family thinks she can't sing, but I've proved them all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh <laughs> That's going back. I my going back to my my mom's Irish honesty. She says whenever I sing around the house, she says to me, "Adam, you're a, a man of many talents, but singing is not one of them." <laughs> uh, yeah, we can't be cutting with our honesty for sure. It's true. It's true. But uh, I, I I know it myself. You know, I think I think uh, if I could be reborn with one talent, that might have been one of them. I've got the I think I've got the front man skills, but not the voice to go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, voice and not the front man skills that's true that's true so instead i'm stuck behind a drum kit that's it <laughs> oh really you play drums i do i do so that was one of my, my other my other lockdown gift to myself was i bought um because i'm in a, a condominium in toronto so i bought one of those electronic drum kits so that i can practice here now yeah. so yeah, yeah. i love I love um I play Byron. Yes, I actually was gonna ask you about that. My cousin has my cousin has a, a Byron and uh she always plays brings it to family reunions. And yeah. it's hard. It's really hard to to master. Takes a little while for yeah, sure. Like- yeah, she's she's really good at it. But yeah, it was uh it it takes some some a specific skill anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I learned to play in the west coast of Ireland. I ran away with a boy. <laughs> and uh lived in a caravan and sat in the in the pub each night on the trad sessions learning how to play so it was the best way to learn my my grandpa used to my, like uh, drumming ran in our family my dad learned from my grandpa my grandpa used to play like in a marching band so oh, now on the 12th of july and all that and his sash and yeah <laughs> Oh god! Oh, so you're on the you're on the other side. We are on the <laughs> other side. Yeah, yeah. So I have his. It's funny. I have his sash here. Um, it was one of wow. his. Yeah, one of his gifts to me. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of of, uh, I mean, talent, extremely talented musicians. You had, you had Ron, not just on that song, but on your other single, "Just One Kiss." You had two of the most phenomenal musicians of all time. You had Ronnie Wood working on guitar and you had Noel Gallagher singing with you. Yes. Tell me, tell me what, how, how did the three of you end up in one room together and tell me what it's like working with those personalities. 
Well, Ronnie, um, I, Ronnie, I've known since I was, a, I met him when I was 16. Okay. He jumped up on stage with, I was, uh, that's where I started singing in uh, uh, Roots Music in a blues club in Dublin. Yeah. Down in of this pub. And he came in one night and jumped up on stage and we jammed together. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't see him for years. Did you know who he was when you were 16? Was that not sure. intimidating? Playing with no. a Rolling Stone? No? No, of course I knew who he was. Uh, 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 and I just thought it, we just had such a great time. I wasn't, um, I think, I think you're fearless when you're 16, aren't you? You just, okay. you don't those yeah. things at all. I just thought we were having the best time ever. And, um, and then obviously I didn't see him and I did my own thing and I worked really hard and gigged for forever. And then as life twisted and turned, I ended up um, on tour with Jeff Beck. Mm -hmm. and I, I think it was the classic rock awards. Jeff said, I want to introduce you to my friend, Ronnie. And then when Ronnie came over, I said, we've met before, but I don't think you remember. And he did. Oh, wow. He said, oh, you're that child, that kid. You were a child standing there singing blues in Dublin. Um, actually, he he asked me to, to talk. He has this amazing documentary out called Somebody Up There Likes Me. Please mention it because it's yeah. you've got to watch it. Okay. Yeah. It's a brilliant documentary. And he asked me to speak on it, and I did. And that was one of the stories on it that, I remember when it was the 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 premiere of it. Um, Ronnie didn't know didn't he didn't know what I'd said during the interview, and I just remember he he just laughed so loud. <laughs> so what I said was, um, I said Ronnie always tells everybody that he discovered me, and I said he did. He just didn't tell anybody about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is a great story. Yeah. Oh. So, wow. He picked up where we left off anyway, and he's a great pal. So I we we'd done a um a Chuck Berry, he asked me to sing on his Chuck Berry tribute album. Nice. We did a short tour of that. And um and so then I asked if he'd play on mine. He did. And we with Noel, um we were um I'd been to see him not long before at um uh, with in the Palladium at the with his high flying boards. And I'm a big fan yes I think he's, he, I love his songwriting is just phenomenal but I love his voice as well mm -hmm. and I got to be a duet and when I went to the gig it all made sense to me and we, uh, but I didn't I didn't want to ask because I thought I get to ask all the time so I, I forgot about it and then you know I just let it go out of my head and then we were texting and I just asked him and he said yes so there and we go did you always know it was that song in particular that you wanted I, voice on? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not one. I, I wasn't like, oh, I just want Noel on my album on anything. Right. It's that's right. not how I roll at all. I knew that song needed to be a duet. Mm -hmm. And I'd written it just before I finished it, I think a couple of days before going to that gig. Yeah. And I went to the guys, this really needs to be a duet. And then I went to the gig and I was like, oh, it sounds so fucking good on it. Mm -hmm. Um. And then I, I thought, I can't ask. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. It's so funny because, I mean, obviously those, the Gallagher brothers have quite the reputation. But I, I met Liam once and it was, it was funny. I was a little bit nervous. We just happened to be at the same event. And I thought, I thought to myself, I was, I'm a, 
grew up a huge Oasis fan. And I thought, should I go say hi? Like he probably doesn't want to be bothered and knowing the reputation the Gallagher brothers had. And I said, you know what, forget it. What's the worst that can happen? I'm going to go say hi. And in the two minutes that we got to share together, whatever, I think he asked me more questions than I asked him. And he was just such a lovely fellow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Never believe us to read the papers. Of course, of course. But it, it's funny, especially if having read interviews with Noel too, I would have thought the thing I would have been nervous working with Noel is, uh, you know, when you work with musicians and they don't maybe don't like something, you know, they'll say, oh, well, how about we do this instead? Whereas I feel like Noel would just be like, that's shite. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, you, you see, but this is the this is the thing. Whoever I'm working with, I don't... Um, uh, He's before he said yes, he said, Send me the track, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. That he loved it. Um, and so when we got into the studio, he was, you know, when you're working with people, regardless of whether they're, they're well known or not, there's a, there's a mutual respect that has to happen. Yeah. Or else, or else it, it, it doesn't, it, it just can't work. Right. And so I, it has to be, a, it has to be a nice relation, nice vibe. Yeah, for, for for no for anybody. Yeah, and so, um, like I said, he'd already listened to the song, and then he just said, you know, if there's anything you want me to do or not do, just let me know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I did. So I just said that this bit doesn't work or this bit, and then the same as him as he was singing it. You know, it, that's what you want. It's a collaborate. Like he'd say, I'm singing it this way, but it's the rhythm isn't sitting with my tongue. So I'll just and I'll say, we'll do what feels right. And, that's the normal. I remember I did a, a duet many years ago with Lou Reed with one of my songs. It was called Kentish Town Walls. And I was able to, the phrasing worked for me. Mm-hmm. But every mouth is made differently, even how you speak and your your accent and your language. Yeah. And Lou was like the, the same. He was like, it doesn't, so you, I'd happily, it, there's a give and take when you work with somebody and there has to be on both sides. Yeah, you know, I just meant from you know from reading interviews with Noel Gallagher, his his opinions are often so brutally honest. Well, got, well, well, the thing is, if Noel didn't like the track, he wouldn't be honest. Would have said, of course. So yeah, it's it, it that was already that was already um, we'd already passed that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the entire album of having just heard the two songs, and they're both. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Here. What's that? That you, that's that's I've all you've been able to hear the first two songs, right? So I know I, I should get I'll on. Have, I'll have to send you more. It was funny. Um, um, uh, at the end, it was um, seems as your you two fan. It was I was nearly actually getting I was nearly getting rid of Made to Love. Oh, really? a, because it, I I couldn't get it right. Um, when we were in recording it from a production level it was getting too uh it was getting too clean for me and I was trying to rough it up again a a bit again it was getting it's kind of like if you paint Mm -hmm. as you know paint that behind it there's a point where you know it's it's to try and figure out when to stop yeah because you overwork it then it loses the 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 charm of it Mm -hmm. as you know um and it was getting to that point for me and I wanted to strip it back and start again. And I kept, I did that a few times on this song and then um, actually I called Bono. He's one of my go-tos of 
honest people. Um, I don't, we don't talk a lot, but I'd say him and Gavin Friday is another one that I can lean on and say, am I flogging a dead horse on this? Mm -hmm. Do I throw this out or do I continue? And Bono was very helpful, actually. He was, because I, I had a slightly different title and he said, if you flip it around to this, try that and it might work and do not throw it out. Don't throw this out. Just finish the fucking thing. Work on it. Stick with it and you'll get there. Oh, so wow. I was glad of that um, because I was nearly getting rid of it. Um, and and he'll be he'll be on it. You need somebody who will be mm -hmm. brutally honest with you. What a person to have as a as a as a callback, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. he's he's, yeah. he's He's brilliant. And I did the same with Gavin on, on some of the artwork, you know, mm -hmm. where I was up against it. Because sometimes it can feel like you're on your own. Mm -hmm. uh, up against a record company and I'm fighting for art and creativity all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'll come up with these amazing shots and get my friends to Eddie Oter, who's one of the fucking best photographers. Look up Eddie Oter stuff. And mm -hmm. I got Eddie Oter involved and... Amy Cadle, all these great photographers and we went out into the woods and got these great shots and you send them to the record company and they go hmm, you know, and you're like oh, I'm going to lose my mind they're going, we can't use that one there's, there's smoke, it looks like it's coming out of your mouth so, so that'll be banned and you're like oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. never so Gavin would be uh, Gavin would, Friday is, is, is another one that I'd because he's such an amazing artist and he, he's again he helped me out too well he gave me some really good advice. Um, of just sometimes you need somebody to help you pick your battles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, what I just said in a massively ridiculous long way. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I, and I've seen, a, I've, I've seen you perform with you two a couple of times too. And uh, I mean, what, uh, what an, an amazing experience that must be. I mean, especially the first time I can't imagine what it's like to be on. And I know Bono's performed with you as well at some of your shows. So yeah, he's, he's amazing guy. Yeah. What if, what a friend to have. Uh, and he makes a mean margarita. What's that? He makes a mean margarita. Really? Eh? Uh, oh. Himself. Yes. Oh, there you go. Wow. That's yeah. good to know. That's it's down. <laughs> I, met, I met one of his sons about two years ago because his son is in a band inhaler inhaler wow. incredible band and yeah. the first is funny because the first time i heard them they came up on a like a spotify playlist and i was i was working and it was on in the background and i was like is this an old u2 song i somehow haven't heard before and i don't know if if, if that's what he wants but uh and then I, I looked them up and sure enough, it was, it was, it was Elijah. And uh, yeah. yeah, they were on, they did my podcast. They were here in Toronto opening for a band and uh, incredible band too. Yeah. Yeah. They're really, really brilliant. Mm -hmm. They're really brilliant. Yeah. I'm a fan. Well, um, one thing you, you mentioned already, and I did want to ask about was you had written this very important poem called you don't get to be racist in Irish. Mm -hmm that was used by the, the Irish government uh, in a mm -hmm. campaign. Um, tell, me, tell me what, what compelled you to, to write that poem originally and then how it kind of got linked with the campaign. Um, I just wrote that. Actually, you know, I, I wrote it in, in this room 
Okay. Um, the same wallpaper you can see that I did on my video, and I just I just recorded it from my phone. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a big plan. It was just what I felt, and it was around um, the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And I noticed um, there seems to be a far right move, movement of people growing throughout the world, including Ireland, which shocked me. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a lot of people you know, on the news, on telly, and, and a lot of people of Irish ancestry in America and Canada and Australia and all these places where they've basically immigrated to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd, they'd emigrated to and immigrated into quite well. And they went there for a better life during the famine. And it, it made no sense to me that the people... Irish people have been so oppressed and how can you become the oppressors? Surely that gives you empathy. Mm. And if you expect that, you know, your family and your your relatives and your ancestors left during really tough times and expected a better life and were and you had to fight for that. And how can you how can you not understand somebody else's plight? Mm. And also, I noticed that a lot of people who were of Irish ancestry had this Hollywood vision of Ireland mm. that we're all walking around in tweeds, you know, with a horse and cart. And as you well know, yeah. that isn't the case at all. We're we're a progressive nation. Mm-hmm. Um, we were one of the first countries that unanimously voted for same-sex marriage, mm-hmm. and that referendum was given to the people. And we were one of the very first in the world to vote for that. Mm-hmm. And it was a unanimous across the board. And I'm very proud of that. I'm proud how far we've come. Also, the, 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 the state and religion have been intertwined for far too long. And I think Ireland have been oppressed politically, but also through religion mm-hmm. married with the state. And I think we're just coming out of the shackles of that, which is a wonderful thing for Ireland. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think we're coming into a new era. We're starting to know ourselves more. But we're certainly not a Disney Hollywood version of what a lot of people of Irish ancestry think that they're fighting on their behalf. But they've, they've totally missed the shift and the change that has happened over hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I mean, I've seen it when my dad used to run a, a, a football club here in Toronto that was yep. a British football club, but it had people of every nation. Anyone who liked to play soccer was on this club and people used to commend him for it. And that's how I used to say my, I mean, my dad, he doesn't care what you are, <laughs> as long as you like, as long as you're good at the game, he doesn't care what you are. And I said, yep. he came, he had to escape you know, like he, he came, my dad comes from a family of 10 and they had yeah. to basically escape Belfast at the time because it was so uh, not a safe place to live. And so there was a lot of stuff that was happening. I mean, in, at the time, yes. in Belfast uh, uh, in July, most families, when we were, we'd, we'd be in Dublin, it would fill up around July because most, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know, but most people, families in Belfast would leave and take the holidays around that weekend, just get out of there and yeah. and make sure everybody was safe. Mm-hmm. And so if you're coming from that, surely you'd understand if somebody else is coming from that too. And 
mm-hmm. and put your hand out and say, you know, I I understand. And so that's what made me write that. And then the government, the campaign, they they were such a lovely bunch of people that were um the the guy Michael who was running it was was he's he's trying to get funding for um to embrace different cultures and um work on things for um anybody who is fallen under the radar of mm. of government proposals so whether it was for disability people with disabilities or or um uh, whatever um gender you are if you're gay or straight or bisexual or transgender or um travelers issues which are often overlooked in ireland um so and also for black people mm-hmm. and people of color in ireland so this guy was just so lovely and i just said have it take it use it do what you want with it mm-hmm. so they put over on billboards and um he said i i think it's a good kickstart um i didn't want to take somebody else's voice away i didn't want to take i'm shouting you don't get to be racist and irish but it, again it's a white woman saying that from ireland but mm-hmm. i think sometimes it needs to be kickstarted a little from 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 the white Irish contingency themselves, yeah. um, maybe before then the, it, it moves hopefully quicker forward. And so I was very happy to to to. He said he he thought it would help. I so I said, someone someone's got to do something, right? And uh, yeah, it's, you know what? it's like it's the same thing. Too. People people always used to say to me when you know. Uh, when we would talk about you two and stuff like that, like, oh, but what about Bono? Like, he, he seems like he does a lot just for the press. And I said, well, is it better just like, should he just not do nothing? <laughs> you know, like, is, is it not better that he's doing something? You know, whether he gets a lot of press for it or not, is it not better that he's trying to do something? All you can imagine is if he's if he's in the press for doing something, you can only imagine all the things that he does very quietly without anybody knowing. Absolutely. They- find out these things and he's one of the most humble gracious people very kind and very considerate people I have ever met um and he's a total inspiration I mean I'm not out to change the world but I certainly if I have if I have something to say I'm certainly going to say it on my own album right yeah. or in my own poetry book mm. or in my whatever it is my outlet is I'm going to speak my own truth yeah there I can't do that where what what's the point or where can I so of course I'm going to say what I want to say and I do think it is time that we all kind of uh, nail our colors to the mast and mm. um, I, I meant that without the pun of it but I do think we, I do think we we owe it to each other to to speak out and try and take care of each other mm-hmm I just got a message here that we have time. So uh, I hope that our paths cross again. I hope that we get to do it in person next time. Yes, ditto. And tell Sandra I said hello. I will. I will. She'll be so pleased. (laughs) She'll be very pleased. Thank you. Thank you. Have Have a nice day. Bye. Adamantium.
Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.